Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Talking Fitball podcast with me, Derek Clark. Every week we aim to bring you a quality interview with some of the most colourful characters involved in the game. And with the distinct lack of football, we hope listening to the podcast brings a wee bit of enjoyment as you stay at home. This week you're in for a treat. I had the pleasure of chatting to former Celtic, Sunderland, Oxford, Millwall, Blackpool and Northern Ireland star Anton Rogan. As always, it's jam-packed full of stories from growing up during the troubles in Belfast, playing for his beloved hoops, his old firm experiences, starting in cup finals north and south of the border, and a whole lot more. Anton was in fine form as expected, so sit back and enjoy this week's episodes of the Talking Football Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Talking Fitball Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to say we're joined on the line this week by former Celtic hero Anton Rogan. Anton, thanks very much for, for joining us. It's a pleasure, Derek. Um, fantastic career in the game, Anton. Before we, we begin uh, looking back on that, though, the terms of the, the coronavirus is affecting, I think, everyone in, uh, in the world at the moment. In terms of yourself, is it impacting you in, in your business? It is indeed, Derek. Myself and my wife have got a taxi firm in Woodstock in Oxfordshire. And obviously, the way the circumstances are at the moment, it's, it ain't good for us at the minute. But as I say, Derek, we're not the only ones. I think everybody's on the same boat, which is the only saving grace for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of, I mean, the sporting world, there's a lot of talk about uh, making football seasons null and void and what have you. What, what's your sort of take on that? Derek, that's an impossible question. <laughs> <laughs> I think because as I say I sort of walked away 22 years ago and to be honest at the minute that, that sort of question Derek there's a million answers yeah and I don't think, I don't think anybody's ever going to come up with a right one because there's so many different solutions to it yeah yeah you're, you're spot on there it's uh, I think it's going to rumble on for some time yeah looking to the, the career then Anton um growing up back in in Belfast uh but were you always kicking the ball about as a, as a young boy I was indeed Derek I think in Belfast most people either played uh Football, or I, I played a lot of Gaelic football and hurling as well, Derek. You know, so I was quite lucky. I played the three of them, and I enjoyed all of them. The three of them for me were great games. Do you know? It's massive over there, isn't it? The old Gaelic football and, and the hurling. So, was it was it tough? Or did you have to sort of decide what one to to follow? Were you, were you good at all of them? I was thinking that's cool, Derek. We had, we I done the three of them. So to be honest, it wasn't really <laughs> You know, I was quite sort of lucky with the three of them. I was I was quite handy at the three of them. So and and I loved the three of them all with the same sort of passion. Do you know? But when the, when the, obviously the opportunity came up to move away, I, I was twenty. Obviously, when I moved away, I, I, it was a chance I couldn't take. I couldn't. I, I had to take it, Derek. You know, it had to be done. Growing up back then as well, Anton. Of course, it, it, we all know that the troubles back in Belfast at the time. But did that sort of affect you growing up back then? Well, I think I was born on on the falls, Derek. You know, I was a, a, a nineteen sixty six child. So I think people around my area seen a lot of a lot of the sort of trouble and violence, you know, but when you were growing up in them sort of circumstances, Derek, I don't think you didn't, you knew any different until I went away to Glasgow actually and seen the change, do you know? Yeah. Which, which was, as you say, immense. Yeah, I can certainly imagine. Um, when you were playing football, of course, uh, growing up, did you have any sort of role models, any heroes that you looked up to back then? <laughs> believe, believe it or not, Derek, I was a massive Leeds fan. <laughs> Billy Bramner, I love Billy Bramner. He was know? a player. Oh, I loved the Billy. You know, I was quite fortunate. I met him once when I was playing for Sunderland, which was great for me. You know, but as I say, Leeds for my team in the early seventies. You know, I think a, a lot of people in Belfast there was either Celtic Rangers, Leeds United, Manchester United, or Liverpool. And yeah. To be fair, I think it still is at the minute. Right? You know, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever go? Managed to get to Ellen Road and and, and see them in action? And you know, I didn't. I didn't get the Ellen Road at all. I got the Parkhead a couple of times. Yeah. To watch Celtic through the, the the little football team I played for when I was about nine or ten. I seen Kenny playing at Parkhead, you know, which was great. Yeah. And I mean, your love for Celtic was it was that sort of ingrained growing up as well, or did it, was it just when you went over there you sort of no, get the bug? No, no, Derek. Obviously, where, where where I lived in Belfast, you know, Celtic was in most people's blood anyway. So you, you came across it at some stage in your life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. For me, it was great, you know. Yeah. Uh, of course, you started off as, as Lisbon Distillery. Is that, that where you started your career? 
it was indeed. Yeah, I played. Uh, I think I was 16 when I sort of made my, my debut. It was in at sort of uh, the top league in Northern Ireland. They were playing against Linfield and Glentor and Cliftonville and teams like that. And I was 16 when I made my debut, and I was sort of small and <laughs> dangly, skinny. You know, <laughs> so when I was 17, I broke my leg. Uh, in them days, wow. you didn't have to. Work. You didn't have to. You didn't have to. They wear shin pads in them days, you know, and I didn't wear shin pads, and I I, I, crap, I got my leg cracked in Crusaders. Oof. That's when I was about 17 and a half, and I'll never forget it, Derek. I remember laying on the pitch. I must have been laying there 20 minutes, and it was a freezing cold winter's day, and I couldn't find the stretcher. I was laying there for about 35 minutes, absolutely coughing. I, I wasn't that bothered about my leg at the end. I was more worried about the cold. I thought it was going to die hypothermia. <laughs> But that's one of the places that can only happen, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Dearie me. So, I mean, how long did that take you to recover from, from a broken leg at 17? What a hard... Well, really hear this, believe it or not, Derek. I got playing again about... I was eight, about 18 and a half, 19 and a half when I got playing again. And Celtic stayed keen, you know? Yeah. So, I went away with the under... I, I think I was an overage player. I think it was the under 18s I went away with. And I was quite... I was just turned 19, I think. And believe it or not, we were playing in Groningen in Holland in a tournament. And believe it or not, I broke it again. Genius. <laughs> the same, the exact same place. But it just shows you how, how strange this is. I went to the hospital. Bobby Lennox actually brought me to the hospital in Groningen. Oh, superb. And, and they actually had my leg and they said it's not broke. So I went, right, fair enough. But to be fair, the pain of them was horrendous. And I, I knew it was broke, but they said it wasn't. So obviously they gave me a crutch and I left the hospital. So I sat and watched the last three, two or three games where all the lads just on the bench. I go back home to Belfast and I says, right, I need to go and get an x-ray. I went and got an x-ray and I come out with a plaster on for another 10 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows you how comical the situation was. <laughs> you know, telling me I haven't got a broken leg in Holland and I'm going, it is broken. I know I broke it the time last year and I know the feeling. <laughs> but got, that's how mad it was. And then fair play to Davy Hay. Davey Hay says, oh, no, we can't let him go after them two broken legs, so we'll just keep going. And then eventually I signed when I was 20, Derek. And to be fair, it was great. You know, it was fantastic. Yeah. But for Davey, for Davey Hay to stick by me like that was just unbelievable. You know, it was fantastic. Yeah. I was going to ask you a bit about Davey Hay, uh, Anton. What what was he like? Obviously, you mentioned him there, but as a coach and a manager to play under, what, what was he like? A uh, fantastic person and a fantastic man. You know, he's just... I, I just loved him. He was just a, I don't think anybody I knew could have a bad word to say against David. You know, it's just the way he was. He was just such a nice, genuine, tender bloke. You know. Mm. And I mean, when you put pen to paper and signed signed for Celtic, was it was it a proud moment for for yourself and your family when 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 that when that sort of happened? Derek, it was brilliant. Obviously, when I, while I was still playing in Northern Ireland for the Stelly, there was teams coming in every on the newspaper. I was doing quite well at the level I was at, and it was every week it was all Arsenal are interested, then other teams were interested. And then mm. one day I came in after one of the matches, and a couple of mates were in the house, and they handed me the Belfast Telegraph and said, "Look at that!" And I went, "Look, Celtic are interested." And I went, <laughs> "Oh my God, that was just a, that was just a moment I'll never forget." You know, he, he, even to get to that stage in a newspaper, just what, looking to say they were interested in me was enough for me. Wow, yeah. But to eventually get and actually play was just, it was just fantastic, mate. Yeah, Great yeah, Great yeah. Days. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, when you when you joined there, then as, as a sort of relatively uh, young boy in the main, and you're, you're mixing with, they had a lot of big players there at Celtic at the time, walking into that dressing room. Were you were a bit sort of overawed at the at the time, or do you take it all in your stride? Do you know, Derek, at the start, I was a bit obviously overwhelmed when I when I walked in at the start of pre-season, you know, in July, because it was the first time I'd ever been away from home. And, you know, I, I, I was and I looked around and seen all these people like Mo Johnson, Roy Aiken, yeah. Tom Burns, Brian McClure, you know, it was just an awesome Paul McStay. It was just a frightening array of players, you know. And then yeah. all of a sudden, like, the first three or four months, I'm not saying they weren't hard, they were really difficult for me because I, I sort of found it a struggle to be away from home. And I miss a lot of my family and friends, you know, and I sort of, I went from being very, with all my friends all the time, to living sort of basically on my own in digs, you know, which, yeah. as I said, family I stayed with the Markins were absolutely brilliant for me, you know, they were, they were great, they great help for me and they looked after me. But I went home at Christmas, Derek, and I said to them, I, I, they let me home for Christmas and uh, I went home for Christmas, we're all sitting in the house at Christmas, all my mates up, obviously my mum and dad, all my friends, brothers and sisters had a great little time. And then I said to my dad, look, dad, I don't fancy getting back. I just signed. I'd signed a two-year contract, Derek. You know, because yeah. I was in the reserves and I was still finding it hard. 
you know, because I was just sort of living an existence, if you understand. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. But sort of, if you're in the reserves, it's different from obviously a million miles from the first team because you don't sort of get the sort of the, the little bonuses you have in the first team and things like that. Yeah. So I was I was sort of on my own a lot of time. I had to get the bus into training every morning and stuff, you know. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I'm struggling with this. So eventually I went back and my dad said, he says, look, you might as well just go over to see this season or anyway. So I went back, Derek. I've been went back in between Christmas and New Year and then a couple of days after the New Year's game, do you remember when Rangers beat Celtic 2-0? Yeah, 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 I do. Yeah. Bobby Lannis come to me the, on the, I can't remember what day it was and he said Anton you're training with the first team today and I thought I was oh well happy days because I knew I was doing well in the reserves and stuff but I, I thought I was just making up the numbers and then as I say on Saturday I was playing <laughs> <laughs> and, and as I say Derek my life just changed 100% from that from the moment I walked onto that pitch my life just completely changed it was unbelievable the, yeah. the difference you know the way the way the way you were looked. I'm not saying I wasn't looked after beforehand, but it was. It seemed to be a lot easier when you were playing in the first team. If you understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. And for me, it was just fantastic, mate. Yeah. Absolutely. That that your your debut was was something else. I mean, a madcap game against Hamilton, eight three. It ended up Brian McClear scored <laughs> scored four goals. What was that like to play in? That was brilliant, mate. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Obviously, a lot of it still direct for me. It's just sort of a little blur, do you know? Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Uh, I phoned home on a Friday night and I, as I was walking in the park here on the Saturday morning, there was four of my mates standing, just jumped in the car and come over. And them days to do that from Belfast was, was quite a, an event, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was walking in the park here and the four, there were four lads who had grown up with were standing waiting on me. So that, <laughs> that, that a massive boost, you know. And one of the lads who came over, Tony Rooney, he was my little football team manager when I was a kid. He just loved Danny, do you know? And all of a sudden, after the match, I'm walking out, and Danny McGrain was beside me. Or Danny, Danny McGrain walked out beside me, and he says, Anton, who's easy? I says, oh, these are my friends who just went from Belfast. He says, bring them in. <laughs> Believe it or not, Dan brought them in. They're standing in the tunnel, and Tony, as I say, my football manager from a kid, I thought he was going to wet himself. <laughs> 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 he couldn't, first time I've ever seen him gobsmacked, <laughs> you know? Was he standing looking at Danny McGrain, you know? <laughs> absolutely brilliant, man. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> um, talking about Danny McGrain, obviously he played it the other side, side from you really, but another legend of the club. Did he sort of help you, like you're saying, uh, help you settle in somewhat? He was brilliant for me, mate. He was absolutely great. He just had little words of advice every now and again. He did, as I say, he wasn't too overwhelming because Danny was such a nice bloke, you know? He just, he's just a lovely lad, I yeah. love him. But he always have a little do this or do that, mate, and... See, all the best, you know. He would never preach, if you understand. He just little little bits of advice here and there, which was fantastic for me, do you know. Yeah, uh, David Hay, of course, leaves and and uh, the legend Billy McNeil takes over. Um, were you sad to see David leave initially there, oh, Anton? Of course, I was, Derek. I think a lot of the players were obviously things didn't work out with the football sense, and there was a lot. I think there was a lot, so much expectation from that team as well. Do you know? Yeah. As you as you mentioned yourself earlier on, that that that, that dressing room was full of big names. Yeah. And as I say, I just as I say, I was so sad it didn't work out for him. But as I say, then as I say, Big Billy came along the gaffer, and then just, as I say, that season was just. As it says, it looks after itself from now on. You know, which was great. Yeah, it certainly does. It was. Uh, it was obviously the centenary season, as we all know. Did you? Did the boys feel a wee bit of pressure that that season to deliver because it was such a momentous year? I don't. You know, I don't think any of us had really knew the sort of the the stuff that it brought with it. Derek, if yeah. you understand, but it didn't know. Obviously, it was a first centenary, and I think for a lot of people, they didn't even realise it was going on until it was actually nearly over. If you understand, yeah. And just you mentioned Big Billy, like I remember the first day he walked into training. You know, I was sitting in the corner. I just moved into the first team dressing room, and I was beside. I don't know if you were ever in the first team dressing room back then, but when you walk in through the door, there's a big pillar just to your left, and yeah. sort of I was sort of stuck behind that. If you understand. <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my little perch in there. But Big Billy walked in, and I'll tell you what, mate. See when he walked in, and I I, don't, I won't swear, but I swear I've never. The presence of him was just immense. Yeah. I don't know if it was the same for everyone, but for me, I looked at him, and to be fair, he scared the living daylights out of me mate. <laughs> by <laughs> by just walking in. That is serious. I say that the big whitey and little Joe still, and they say the same. I went, he scared the 
they were never <laughs> out of me as soon as he walked into that dressing room. So <laughs> already, already, even though I knew of him, I had never spoken to him, but I already had so much more respect for him. Because <laughs> he, was such, he was such an imposing presence as well, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's sadly missed it, uh, uh, unfortunately. Um, the, the side that year, of course, there was a number of players that get brought in. Um, you mentioned there Joe Miller and, and what have you. Frank McAvaney yeah. arrived as well. What, what what was he like to share a dressing room with? Fantastic. I love Maga. Great bloke. I still speak to Frank now. Then actually, uh, every now and again, he's giving me a ring or I'll give him a ring. And I, as, a, as a bloke, he was just brilliant for the dressing room. Obviously, he was different from most other people, where the way his little jaunts and stuff to London and stuff. But as a person, as a footballer, he was fantastic. What a what a fantastic centre forward to play with. I'll tell you, he was brilliant. Yeah, and Mick McCarthy as well. You would team up again later on in your career, but was he sort of good to play alongside at the back there? Brilliant as well, big Mick. Great, great, great professional, Mick. You know, absolutely brilliant. But as you say, the, the names in that team, like for me, were just as you say, Paul McStay, Tommy. I love Tommy. Tommy, Tommy. Uh, the day of the my first game, I was sitting. I didn't know how to get in, and uh, he, Tommy walked past on the Friday, and Davey mentioned it, and Tommy says, oh, "I'll pick him up." So I walked down to Clarkston Toll. I had a little. I was yeah. living for about night in Clarkston at the time. So I walked down to Clarkston Toll, and there he was sitting waiting on me, and I jumped in the car with Tommy and. Just, he just made me feel so relaxed. <laughs> I always got on well with him. He says, you just go out and play, son. You'll be all right. And and I did, to be fair. But as I say, I'll never forget Tommy for doing that for me. You know, just giving me my first lift in. Yeah. And believe it or not, really, this is gospel truth. I had to get a line of Big Allen's suit because I didn't even have a suit. <laughs> <laughs> Big Allen McNeil had to lend me a suit. I was going to mention that, but of course he arrived just a wee bit after you, but was it good to see a, a former teammate just sort of come to Glasgow and a, a sort of pal about you? Do you know something, uh, Derek? As I say, I moved down to my digs about mid-November. Big Alan, his dad got him a little house in Clarkston. Mm. And Big Alan said to me, he says, Rogue, you can just, just loads of rooms, come and stay. I went, oh, that'll be brilliant. <laughs> no disrespect to the family, they were lovely towards me, but I was a 20-year-old bloke living where yeah. a family. No, that's not, that's not the time and place for me, do you know? So no. I moved on and stayed with Big Allen. And to be fair, when it's Big Allen, we're having a ball. And that's what, I think that's what made me go back as well. If I had it still had been in the digs, Derek, at Christmas, I wouldn't have been back, do you know? Yeah. But I was come back to the house for Big Allen and he was there all the time. And we had to go out and have a little beer together now and again. That's probably one of the main reasons why I went back, do you know? Yeah. And then, um, I mean, that season you won the league, but by ten points. What what was so special about that season, Anton? But did Billy just give you that that sense of belief that you could go and uh, and do the business? I think he did, mate. I think yeah. he just installed that in everyone. Do you know? By the way, I think I think he looked around him and the sort of players he had in the dressing room. Do you know? Which were sort of they were left with him. If you understand, okay, he brought in a few Chris. Big Mick, you know, Stark, he was, well, Billy Stark was probably one of the most underrated footballers I've ever played with in my life. Yeah, he was a good player, wasn't he? Oh, he was fantastic, Starkey. And, and, and as you say, Joe and Maka, he brought them, and Little Andy, he brought some great players in. They mixed with the already the great players that were in there. Do you know, you still had your Roy's, your Tommy Burns's, you know, your yeah. Paul McStay's, your Packies. Yeah. Do you know, just, it was just a, it was just a, a nice cocktail of players put together, and it was it went really well for us. Yeah, some notable games you played that that season. Uh, the first one was the the, the the old firm shame game. If you like, you came on as a sub at Ibrooks that time when you were watching yeah. that on, on the bench. Could you believe what was what was going on there? No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Oh, it was just madness, absolute madness. But as you, as you know, Derek, them, them games, there's there's nothing on the planet like them games. I don't care what anyone says. I've witnessed a lot of derbies in England and stuff, but. There's nothing could come near any anywhere near mm. the way them things are dealt with. It's just the way they are, you know, and it's ingrained in people. Yeah. Football and everything's ingrained on people. It's just it's a fantastic atmosphere to be in. Yeah. But folk folks say I mean, when you go out in the party, can you hear your teammates or anything like that? Is is, is it like that? Is the noise just so that, that 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 incredible you can't really hear yourself think sort of thing? It's unbelievable, mate. It's it's frightening. It's as you say, you just I remember, I think. I think it was one of my first old games. I don't know what was that year. It might have been a couple of years later. I was at Parkhead. I think we were winning. It might have been St. Patrick's Day a couple of years after. We were winning 2-0 or something. And the ball went out of play, Derek, you know. And mm. just for... Usually you don't get much time to think in them games. But the ball went out. Somebody got injured and everybody was laying in the middle of the pitch. And 
and I sort of stepped back and had a look around. It's when even the, the range of supporters used to have, what, seven, eight thousand in there, didn't it? You know, at yeah. the far end. And then and I'm just looking around, and I, I tell you what, Derek, I'm standing on the pitch, and I, the supporters were singing, and I'm seriously, the pitch was moving underneath me. <laughs> it was, I've never felt anything like that in my life. It was <laughs> unbelievable, mate. And, and the whole place, the whole three corners or three sides, obviously, except for that little bit at the end, but was just bouncing. And I swore, mate, I'm sure the ground was moving. I've just <laughs> never, seen, never seen or felt anything like it in my life. Yeah, it's, it's it's certainly something else. When you're in the sort of the dressing room before a game or even the build up to to the game, Anton, what's is is it different to any other game sort of thing? Is, is the mood a bit different in there? A hundred percent, mate. Yeah. The, the build up, the build up. As soon as the game finishes on Saturday from the, the last your last match, everyone is just then everyone you just know it's coming. The, the atmosphere around the, uh, the club changes, around the t- around Glasgow changes. You, you know yourself, you've. You've seen it, but everything yeah. just seems to change in old firm way, doesn't it? It's just, it's just a, a different atmosphere everywhere. You know, it's 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 madness how it can happen. Just a football a football game can bring so much of that. Yeah, which is unbelievable. Yeah, you're damn right there. Um, you won the league, and then you won the, the Scottish Cup final as well, beating Dundee United the, that year. Yeah. Memory memories of that game. Great to get uh, get the double that season. Fantastic, mate. But you know what? A, what a great day that was. The sun was shining there, and you know, as I say, we already won the league, so. There was a, there was a, there, obviously there was a little bit of pressure on us to go out and do the double. But when, as I say, when when a little Kevin scored that, what a wonder goal he, he hit! As you know, that first goal was fantastic. Yeah. And for us to get back, but we done it in the semi final against Hearts. Do you remember we scored in the last kicks of the ball? Yeah, and yeah. So sort, I think at half time the gaffer said, "Look, lads, just go out and play your games and just do what happens, and then see what happens." And I think we had sort of all sort of had a little feeling that something might just happen here do you know because uh-huh. the second half we really did start playing well and we were sort of up and down all the time and then as you say whatever happens after that it happened and we just had to deal with it you know yeah but uh, it was a great feeling it was fantastic yeah then you would repeat it of course in the following season you beat Rangers in the final as well you get any you remember that game as well it's great to obviously I, I retain just, the trophy I, it was brilliant, but I remember coming out myself and little Joe after the game. Little Joe's obviously scored the winner, didn't he? Yeah. We, me and him got called in for a drugs test, you know, after the game. Yeah. Obviously, they were doing random ones then. So two of us are standing there looking at each other. I've never, never had a drugs test in my life. You know, <laughs> so when we were standing, and he said the, the lads who were doing it were brilliant. So just have a couple of drinks, and and then it'll just flow. But. I must have, me and Joe must have had five or six cans each and I still couldn't go have a, have a wee. <laughs> so I mean, they're starting to look at us. It took us 45 minutes and that's gospel to get in there, you know. So eventually got it all done with pass, not a problem. And as we were leaving Ibrox, they brought me and Joe out the Rangers end and they were all still there, weren't they? But how's our luck? A couple of them only, a couple of them seen us in the car to driving van. Obviously, it was a couple of gestures, but I'm just glad the only seen us when we were driving by and not stopped beside them. You <laughs> <laughs> never know what could have happened. <laughs> Absolutely, another moment. You know, me and Joe still talk about now. The two of us looking at each other, thinking, "What the hell am I going to do here? I can't piss, and he, I couldn't do one. He couldn't do one." <laughs> As I say, forty-five minutes an hour later, we've eventually done it and <laughs> got out of there. But that was another another comical moment in that season. Yeah, absolutely. Have you still got your medals there, Anton? Have you got them up the loft or whatever? They're all up in the loft, mate. <laughs> I get them out now and again. My medals in my jerseys come out every now and again. A few people always ask to see them. So yeah. Because there's, there's, there's hundreds of Celtic supporters down here anyway, mate. So yeah. come out every now and again and people look at them and go, oh my God, look at them. It's brilliant. Yeah. As I said, I was lucky enough to be there and do it. Thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah. Um, high points, of course, those those two cup finals. There was a, a low point in the, the following season with the, uh, the game against Aberdeen. Uh, penalties are always a lottery, Anton. I guess, I guess were you one of the ones that wanted to take a penalty that game against Aberdeen? No. Was it a case of, I think it ended up 9-8, didn't it? So it was... It, it was, it was as I say, I'd never taken a penalty in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I was half the match. I'm thinking, ah, oh, don't be worried. It's never going to get to you. And as I was getting closer and closer and closer, I'm thinking, oh my god, I'm going to have to do this. But eventually, obviously, I was the last penalty, wasn't it? It was between yeah, a little, uh, big Bran, obviously Bran Irvin. He was so I went up and obviously the, the lad saved it, and and then Bran went up and scored, and that's for me. That was it was history. Like, but I'll not deny it. It was horrendous couple of months after it. You know. Yeah. Because, what, what... as you say. 
you just I couldn't get away from it. I left Glasgow and then I was home in Belfast and everybody, oh, there's a, you're either, oh, sorry, sorry about that, or people are just giving you a little bit of stick, which is fair enough because that happens when you miss penalties, you know? Yeah. It, it wasn't just, it's not just me. Anybody who misses a penalty in a major race you look at, they're going to get a little bit of abuse somewhere and you just have to duck, knuckle down and get on with it, Derek, do you know? Which, exactly. Which is, what I've done, which is exactly what I've done. Exactly, you're quite right there. Um, 1990s, well, you played a, um, well, you played another a couple of notable old firm games. The one where you had a handball was that just a case of you, the brain doesn't engage and you just it's just sort of you just I, put your I, hand I, up I there. But Richard said to me after he says, "Rogue, I'll give you a little nudge as well." And to be fair, he said, <laughs> no one, Richard did say that to me. No one ever mentions that, but he did. He said, "I give, I give, I know, I give you a little nudge." But that was one of them things that happens. You know, I just as I say. You just deal with it and get on with it, mate. Yeah, exactly, Mundo. Um, moving on, then. You obviously uh, going back to the old firm. You scored. Uh, you scored in an old firm game as well. It must be memorable for you when you when you beat Rangers three uh, 0 You were named man of the match as well that day, weren't you? I was indeed. Yeah. Well, I didn't know this, but my mate Eddie down here, he's got he's got a big book of all these good games, and I don't know. I I, I didn't in that sort of days. You never even thought of man of the match. You just get on with it. You know, yeah. it wasn't a thing. But apparently, he says in one of the clips, I said, I, I, before I scored, I saved one off the line, then I set one up, and then I scored. So it was one of them games. <laughs> it came in threes for me, which was quite good. And but because the week before, we just beat them already 2-0. Yeah, the yeah. And then the cup game, it was 3-0. So that was that was a great week. I think, actually, to know something, Derek, that was the game that the ball went out of play, and I looked around and seen it was that one. But oh, was that one? That, yeah, it was that one, yeah. I mean, playing in an old firm game is is something else, but scoring a goal in it—I mean, I can't quite imagine the sort of feelings that you would have you'd have had when that happened. Yeah, it's brilliant, mate. A great feeling. I was quite—I was quite fortunate because I've set up about—I set about four or five for other people in the games as well. Do you know? I set up a load of goals in them, which yeah. was good. No, but I just say just to, just to do it. Do you know? But do you know something? I don't think I've ever seen it on telly. <laughs> believe it or not, Derek, I have never, I don't think I've ever watched wow. any game that I've played in, believe it or not, do you know that? Never. It's just the way it is. <laughs> Dearie me. When you're playing against strangers, was there any opponents that you came up against and you went, oh, I'm in for a game here? Oh, all of them. <laughs> you look at the side they had as well, Derek, in them days. Yeah, you know, some the class players. Oh, there's some brilliant players. I, I always done well. Me and that the, the right back was it Trevor Stephen. Yeah, yeah. Good goals and always fair. Always shook each other's hands after the match, you know, because he was like myself. He was up and down, and up and down, you know. Yeah. So me and him were constantly running into each other somewhere along the game, but always hello and gracious to each other. No, none of this bigotry or anything like yeah. that, you know. No, no name calling, nothing. Just get on with. Yeah. Shook each other's hand after the match and walked away. Which was great, you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, definitely. Um, you're nearing the, the time was going to come where you're going to leave the club. Uh, Liam Brady comes in, Anton, um, and you were sold uh, pretty soon after. I guess, what, what were your feelings when, when when Liam came in? Did he just not fancy and fancied you moving you on? Well, as I say, I got player of the year for all the clubs around Glasgow. I don't know, all, all, all the big clubs are. I got player of the year for most of them that year, you know. And so I was... Obviously, Big Billy went, and then Liam came in in the preseason, and obviously, I don't know what happened, but it was obviously he was he wanted to do what he had to do, and and one day, and this is out of the blue, this is gospel truth. I was at training, I think it was a Tuesday morning, and Liam came up to me and says, "Oh, Anton, can I have a word?" I says, "Yeah, no bother." So I went around, I had a chat, I looked at him, and what is it? He says, "Ah, oh, Sunderland have just come in with an offer for you," and I went, mm, "So what do you, what do you want me to do?" And he went, "Well, it's it's three hundred fifty four hundred thousand uh, and it's up to you. I says, right, well, obviously you want me to go then. And seriously, I went. I, mm. I says, I read him off. I went up the park. I went up to get changed because we were still at Barfield then. Went and get changed to park here. Yeah. And I was walking out. Tom Tom Grant called me into the dress into the into the room. He says, I says, what's happening, Tom? He says, well, Anton, we've had enough of you. And I went, well, obviously, looks like I'm going then. And he says, well, it looks like, but I, I don't want you to go. <laughs> if you don't want me to go, you can do something to make me stay in a way, if you mm. understand. And then I went, nah. I walked out, and that was on a Tuesday, and I, I drove down there, and I signed on a Thursday, mate. Wow. And that was it. That was it done as quick as that. And I knew, as soon as I walked out of the parkhead that day, I knew I wasn't coming back. Derek, you know, it just when you know 
because I'm thinking, well, why would I not go down there if I know Liam Brady doesn't want me here? Yeah. I, I, was, I wasn't going to sit hoping he gets a sack, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because that's not the way I work. I just went, well, I might as well move on. And, and to be fair, what, what a great move for me it was. It was fantastic. Yeah. Of course, you went down to Sunderland and you would end up playing in a, an FA Cup final, no less. Um... Unbelievable, mate. I played, <laughs> I played in five finals in a row. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I played three Scottish Cup finals, and then the League Cup final, and then an FA Cup final. I five on the bounce, mate. <laughs> People come up to me and say, did you really do that? I says, yeah. <laughs> I bet there's not many people have done that, though, Derek. Is there? I've never looked into it, but there can't be that many people. No, I can't imagine there'd be, there'd be many, especially in Scotland and England. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's very unique when you think about it. It is indeed, mate. It is. It's, it's unbelievable. But as I say, I, I, I was so lucky. And Sunderland as well, for me, Derek, what a fantastic club. The, the people just reminded me so much of Glasgow and, England, and, and Belfast people. Yeah. The same mentality, and I think, Christ almighty, this place is fantastic. And no disrespect to Sunderland, but there wasn't the sort of the issues. Obviously, there's a big rivalry with Newcastle. But yeah. that's, that's basically just football. Yep. Whereas the Celtic and Rangers, there's a million, it's a cocktail of a million things, as you know yourself. Yeah. Some of, some of them aren't good, do you know? But, yeah. But Sunderland and Newcastle, and Sunderland is just football, football, football. They just live and breathe it. Yeah, that. And, and it took me under the wing, and I was very much appreciated there as well, Derek, you know, so it was great. Yeah, I was going to mention that moving away to, to Sunderland because we've had uh, Morris Ross, the ex-Rangers player, on a, a few weeks ago and he said when he moved down to Wolves it was great. He could go out, out to a coffee shop and out to go for something to eat and doesn't get doesn't get bothered because it, it's like a goldfish bowl in Glasgow. So was was that similar when you went to Sunderland? Exactly the same, mate. Exactly the same, you know. And All right, people would probably recognise you as well, you know, but I think, I think with a, where it's just football, there's no... There's no need to be any snaty comments about what yeah. religion you are or what faith you are. You know, there's nothing like that. It's just if you had a bad game on Saturday, say you were rubbish today, and that's fair enough without without any other obscenity. <laughs> yeah. But that's that, that's what that, you have to live with that in Glasgow, and if you can't live with that in Glasgow, there's no point being there. You know, it's it's just the way it is. Yeah, you need to develop a, a thick skin in Glasgow. That's for sure. I think you do, Derek. I think you do, mate. Um, Malcolm Crosby was it? Was the manager at Sunderland at the time? Was is that right? He was indeed. No, Dennis Smith. I signed for Dennis Smith. Yeah. If you remember Dennis Smith, he's he played for uh, Stoke. Great bloke. Uh, he managed Sunderland. He managed he's managed loads of club Dennis. But he signed me from Celtic, and then a couple of months in, they were we struggled a little bit. Yeah. And Dennis back, and then Malcolm came in. And uh, Malcolm was a, re- a youth team and reserve team coach at the time there, so I knew him already anyway. And, and to be fair, we had a great we had a great time getting the Wembley mate. Absolute yeah. ball. Yeah, I was going to touch on that walking out at Wembley, of course, the, the famous walk and all that. Everything about it, the build up. But what, what was that like? Did you just did you manage to take it all in having played in cup finals before? Do you know, I actually did. Believe it or not, I sort of took it in a stride. But a lot of our players, you know, just probably had never ever seen anything like it yeah. before. I was quite lucky. I just played on four on the bounce and stuff. <laughs> so I, sort of, I was sort of a, a Paul Bracewell. Remember Paul? Yeah, Paul yeah, Paul, yeah. He played. He played in three or four for Everton as well. So myself and him sort of had seen it a little bit, you know. But the rest of the lads, I think, going, "What the hell's going on here?" <laughs> but it was one of them things. It was just brilliant. I don't know if you know, but I remember after the final, I was up. We run up, or obviously the final whistle went. They beat us two 0 <clears throat> Excuse me. If we had scored in the first half, we had beat them. We had a load of chances. And yeah. Mick Thomas came out, scored a wonder goal, two minutes into the second half, and that's seen us off, Derek. Yeah. But we're walking up to get our medals, and we're walking down. As I'm walking down the straps, I'm looking at my medal and think, Christ Almighty, I've won. <laughs> Did, did you, but can you believe they gave us the wrong medal? No way. No way. It was the wrong medal. I'm thinking I've won another one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is how pathetic it was at the end of the match. Well, obviously, they went up and they, Liverpool lads had went, oh my God, we've lost. <laughs> but uh, they, made, they made us change medals on the pitch, believe it or not. That's how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I did my medal with Ray Houghton, a, a good Celtic man as well, do you know? Yeah. <laughs> so but you'd think in this day, well, in that day and age, how, how can they give you the wrong medals? Ah, it's <laughs> just madness. <laughs> That's crazy stuff. And <laughs> of, of course, you were, you were taking on Liverpool. I'd, I know Graham soon as said he'd health scared, but he was obviously in, in the dugout there. You must have been thinking, I can't get rid of this guy. 
he's looking at he kept looking at me, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I can't even remember if I spoke to him after the match or not, you know, I can't remember because as I say, we never crossed paths that much except on the pitch, you know, so I didn't really know him as a person or a man and just yeah. lost him playing times, you know. But as I say, I don't, I don't even know if I spoke to him after the match, and that's the truth. Well, and that's it, I did because I, I can't remember if I did or not. Yeah, and in terms of uh, your time at Sunderland, it was uh, you had a couple of years. Uh, Teddy Butcher came in, of course, and what was the case? Did he just not fancy Anton, or did you did, no, what, did you want to move away? He just he came in, and obviously he was changing things again. And I don't know. Uh, uh, people were saying to me, saying to me, oh, he was bringing different things in. And I says, I don't really care. I had a meeting with him. I said, he says Anton Oxford are in. To fancy it, I says I'm off, and I, I just went again without any hassle. <laughs> I, I think, well, what's the point? There's no point haggling or or me staying there and because playing. All. I said, no, I'm not going. I'm going to stay here. I've two, two, three years left of my contract. Yeah. I'm thinking, why make yourself unhappy? Yeah. I'm thinking, so I went right. I'm off, and I walked out again there, mate, to Oxford, and that was it. Brilliant <laughs> again. This is where I met my wife and stuff. So it just shows you things are. Things can't happen for reasons, if you understand, you know. Yeah, definitely. Did, did you have an agent back then, uh, Anton, or did you just do the just no, go in yourself? Do you know something? Do you know who done my who was my agent for a couple of my little things? Little John Viola. Ah, yeah, we've had him on actually a few months ago. Little John was my agent. Yeah, he, he came down and done my deals for me for nothing because he just. He, I was the first deal he ever done from Celtic for me from Celtic to Sunderland. Yeah, that was his first sort of little job on it and he came down and done it for me for nothing because he, he was my mate as well if you understand yeah top class and then he, and then he done the Oxford one for me as well so we had a couple of nights out with him <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a bad man to go out drinking with him <laughs> yeah, I've not done I've just been out for a coffee with him so I've not I've not been out on the, on the last with him but I should bring that up You've next time You've done the right thing Derek don't go out in the last for him and get you in the off you're trouble mate <laughs> Um, so I love little John. I love him. He's great. Because I'm not all Facebook or nothing. My wife still speaks to him on Facebook. I don't do any of that. Yeah. No interest in it. Whatsoever. Oh, you're quite right staying off that. It's full of, full of maniacs on there. Oh, horrendous stuff. Yeah. Absolutely stuff. Um, so you had a couple of years at Oxford and of course you're back there now, but you, you then had a spell, a spell at Millwall. Big Mick was, of course, at the Big manager Mick there. At Millwall, yeah. I signed for Millwall for two years, which I loved as well. Another great little club. Fantastic club. I had two great years there with them. And then obviously Big Mick, the first year he went, signed for Ireland, didn't he? Yeah. So, so then Jimmy Nickel came in. <laughs> Little Jimmy, cause Jimmy was at Rangers when I was a Celtic, and obviously he's another Northern Ireland man himself. Yeah. Uh, I had a great time with Jimmy at, at Millwall. I loved him. He's such a nice person, do you know? Yeah, he's, he's, he's a top man. Stories galore. And there was a couple of Rangers men as well there at the time. There was a bit of banter going out. The likes of Alex Ray. I think Ray Wilkins joined as well, didn't he? No, I, Ray wasn't there with me. Oh, I was he? just left when Ray came. But Alex was there, yeah. And then Jimmy brought down all, <coughs> excuse me, Jimmy brought down all the Wraith boys, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stevie Crawford, Paul Hartley, Big Sinky. Yeah, David Sinclair, yeah. And what do you call the other one? Jason... Oh, Jason Dare. Jason Dare, yeah. Yeah. So they, they, Jimmy brought them all down in mass. So obviously they had known me. And, and to be fair, we had a great time. They're, they were really great lads, you know. Yeah, the the renowned Mibble fans down there. But what would they like to, to to have them on on your side when you're playing at the, the new den and whatever? Do you know something, Derek? I played at the old den. Well, I, I was injured at the old den. I played there for something, but I had an injury. I got I picked an injury up on the Friday in training, so I never played. So I was I was I went on the bus and as you say, you probably, I don't know if you've ever been to the old den. Have you ever? Have you ever? Been Not there? the old one, no. Never had the chance of going there. No. You've done well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got off the bus, right? And lucky enough, there was a bloke I knew from Belfast. He was living down there, John. So he came. He was a Millwall fan. And I had a chat with him. So I went up into the stand and I'm sitting in the stand. And I'm seriously, mates, they were spitting on me because I had my Sunderland tracksuit on. Wow. That's just the way some of them, that's the way some of them were, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, oh my God, what are they breeding down here? Then next year, two years later, I'm playing. Three years later, I'm playing for them. <laughs> and to be fair, they took to me because I knew I'd have a go all the time, and I scored loads of goals for them as well. You know, so yeah. I was sort of, sort of, sort of really liked me in the end. You know, yeah. Um, you had a spell at Blackpool, of course, and then, then, then you sort of hung up the boots yeah. uh, after no, that. No, no, at Blackpool, Derek, I had a, a really bad, in, 
uh, problem with behind my knee. I put, well, to cut a long story short, I had an artery block behind my knee. Oof. And while, while I was running, while I was running, it was fine. But, or sorry, while I was oh, uh, just walking around, it was not a problem. But after every training session or some 20 minutes in the game, my leg would go dead. And I just couldn't work out how it was. Mm. <clears throat> and Derek, this went on for months and months and months. And eventually, I went, I've seen so many people all over Britain said, oh, there's nothing wrong with him. It must be his back. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, I'm beginning to doubt myself, you know, because yeah. my, my pain threshold, Derek, isn't too bad, you know. I've had lots of different things. And eventually it gets so sore in one of the training sessions, I, I says, I can't I can't even walk. So wow. <clears throat> my last my last uh, option was this lad in Bolton, a, a Scottish lad, Dr. Grant Ferguson, he called him. Yeah. He's a vascular surgeon. And my physio just out of the blue says, right, Rogue, book you in to go and see this bloke. And just tell him what's happening. So I walked in and seen him. He's sitting there. I introduced myself. He says, right, Anton, run up and down the road until your leg gets sore and then come back in as soon as you feel the pain. So I run up, run up the road for 10 minutes, come back. It was pounding, right? Mm. And I pulled my trousers down and he's looking at my leg. And, and do you know something? All, all the times it was going on, Derek, I never looked because I had always my socks up. If you understand what I'm saying. My socks yeah. were always up. I never, I pulled them down and he went, Jesus. And, there was no blood getting the lower half of my leg. Wow. I mean, I mean, none at all. He went, right, bump, I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do this tomorrow morning for you. So I've done a four-hour bypass on my leg. Wow. You know, Did he mean? What it was, Derek, there was little cysts that grown on it. Yeah. And as I was running, they were sort of, they were the, the pressure was closing the vein. Wow. He says, he says to me, you could have dropped dead anything. <laughs> That's oh, scary. I'm, I'm glad you told me that. <laughs> But Derek, I was playing through this pain, not realizing what was going on. Do you know when you don't until it actually happens? It's frightening. And then that was it. That was the end. I couldn't do it. He said, "No, don't be playing after that, mate." Yeah. Nah. So look, Blackpool TV player on them looked after me for the contract because, like, I still get involved in training and all that, and I helped Nigel out for a little bit. You know. Yeah. But that was it. I went right. That's kaput. And yeah. Then I moved me and Nicky moved back to Oxford. Yeah. And I, I've been here ever since, you know. Yeah, spot on. Magic. Um, I just wanted to touch on the, the international career as well, Anton, uh, playing for, for Northern Ireland. When you made your debut, did you get any stick at all when you, when you played for uh, when you played for your country? Did you not know that I, I get booed on by the whole stadium? I was going to say that, yeah, your, your, your first game, yeah, at Windsor Park. 1987 against Portsmouth, I get, I get booed. The whole place erupted, you know. So it wasn't, but as you say, for me, I, I'm thinking, well, I just, I'm only here to play football. I didn't want to get involved in all the politics of it, Derek, yeah. whatever it did. So I went out and played, and to be fair, in the end, it just left me alone. All right, they probably never liked me, but they sort of left me alone, do you know? Mm. And do you, do you remember Malcolm Brody? Malcolm Brody, I don't, I don't recall. A Scottish, a Scottish reporter, a legend in Belfast. He worked for Belfast Telegraph. Right, okay. He's, he's in, Be in Belfast, he's a legend, you know. Yeah. Malcolm's a lovely bloke. He always sort of, me and he always got on, he always looked after me, and, you know, always. <clears throat> and see, after that happened, uh -huh. In 1987, because it sort of made national news at a couple of places, do you know, it was, and it was all the papers obviously were all over it like a rice. Yeah. But I, I never ever said nothing about it. I just thought, oh, that's the way it is. I just have to get on with it, you know, play my yeah. game, and don't really, I'm not really fussed about politics or religion. This is all, this is football I'm playing. Yes. So for years and years and years, and this is gospel truth, Malcolm would always ring me up at the end of every season to see how I was, and then always have a little, come on, Anton, how did you really feel that day? Because I never. <laughs> I never said nothing to anybody, mate. And, yeah. And I'm like, Malcolm, be honest, mate. No, I've nothing to say. I've just, I'm sorry it happened. But as I say, I'm just getting on with it. And, it. For, and this, I swear to God, Derek, years and years and years, it's been on and on and on. So I finished in 1997, 98. Yeah. And Malcolm would still ring me every other year, every year at the end of the season, just to see how it was <laughs> and what I was doing. But just before he died, he phoned me He phoned me one summer, and sitting in the car. I was sitting in the garden and he says, right, Anton, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Give me one little nip of how you <laughs> and really, I says, no. all right, I'll tell you what, Malcolm, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you a little bit. I could hear him down the phone rustling. My <laughs> and dad, a couple of my aunts and uncles were up on that stand that, that night when that happened. And, and do you know the thing that really bugged me about the whole event, Malcolm? He went, well, what's that, Anton? Come on, tell me. I went, they started the boom. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Derek, Derek. No way. <laughs> Pause for a moment, and then he just swore down the floor at me. <laughs> <laughs> he, went, he 
went, I'm never going to get nerdered to Yama. I said, no, not a thing, Malga. I don't care what happened. It's just the way it is. <laughs> but when I said, my mum and dad started the food, I could see his, I obviously I couldn't see him, but his little brain was ticking for a second. <laughs> anyway, came out with some not very nice words to me during the end of the phone. Well, I can imagine. <laughs> but he loved it. He absolutely loved that when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> You got me one there. I said, that's fine, Malcolm, as long as you're happy with my, my response. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about the, the Northern Ireland thing, I mean, did that obviously never put you off, Anton, but did you gain a sense of pride for representing your country and was it a bit of trepidation when, when you played at Windsor Park or did you just sort of blank now? I sort of just went on the pitch, mate, you know, and played because there was... Believe it, in them days of the age, obviously, in that day and age, obviously, with all the, the, the politics and the trouble still going on and people being bitter and twisted everywhere, you know? But yeah. When, they sort of, when you got into the team of the Northern Ireland team, <coughs> excuse me, it was a mixture of Catholics and Protestants. And, and to be fair, there was nothing like that from any of the players, you know? It's just the way it was with the supports, different supports and stuff. Yeah. So it was never an issue for me going to play for them, not at all. Yeah, spot on. Billy Bingham was there, wasn't he? Is, uh, f- Billy was the money man. Yeah, I love Billy, another great man. He's he, he was a great bloke, Billy. Yeah, and uh, have you been to Windsor Park since it's since it's been done up? I haven't. You know that, mate. Mm. You know I haven't. I haven't. The last time I played, that was probably my last, probably international, which like I wouldn't even have a clue when it was. During yeah. Much of truth. I've no dates or anything at all, but I've just no. Do you know it's a place I've never been since it's been done up? You know. In terms of playing for your country, did you get any sort of other players' shirts that you swapped when you were playing against them? You know, I've got about, I've still got a few Northern Ireland shirts, and I've got, I've kept a couple of my old ones, but I've got loads. I've, I've got Spanish shirts. Wow. I've got a German shirt. Do you know something? But and I've, I've got an, obviously an Italy one. Yeah. But you know, I've given them all away. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I've got is myself. All I've got is my, obviously all every team I've play, played for. I've kept one. And I've got obviously all my Celtic jerseys. Yeah. My, my FA Cup stuff. My FA Cup stuff, and I've given everything else away. I've given all my caps away. I think her dad's got one cap, but everything else I've just given away because yeah. I'm looking at it thinking, like, I don't need it. You yeah. Know, yeah, I know what you mean. As long as I've got my medals, uh, my medals and the jerseys, I'm happy with that. And just, it's just I don't know, I'll tell you a little one before you go. Uh, Oxford were playing Sunderland, well, it's about a month ago down here. Yeah. And there's a lad, every time he's obviously, they come down, he always come down, and he he got in touch with me through different people. So I've known him, I've met him the last two or three years, and he always comes on a Sunday to meet me in my little pub and blade and just have a little chat and get some stuff signed and whatever. So this, this, uh, this game, I think I'll suddenly beat them one nil. He phoned me up on Sunday morning. He says, Anton, I've got two mates who've got loads of Celtic stuff. And I says, bring them up. We'll sit in the pub for an hour, have a couple of pints, and then you can shoot off home. So the three of them come in, all lovely lads, really nice blokes. And I says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll bring down the, the FA Cup medal and the jersey for the lads to see. So we're sitting down, having a little chat and saying all this stuff. And there was also a, a tracksuit, which we had from the FA Cup final, said uh, Sunderland FC, Wembley, 1982. And I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, you know, they're all looking at it. And uh, Adam, who's just had a heart attack, a lad who, who's mm. really nice, you know. And he's looking, I had it on and all that. And I took it off and I threw it back. And I'm sitting looking, I had another pint. And I'm sitting looking at that top. And I'm going, the medal in the jersey alone. But that top just lies under my bed. Mm. So I just lifted it. I just threw it on him and says, here, son, you can have that. And he looked up me and started crying. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, wow. fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> And the two mates were just dumbfounded. They were just went sheet white, and they went, oh, "Are you serious?" I said, "Let's land under my bed, lads." Adam, you have it. Son, as long as you look after it, mate, I don't care. As long as you looked after, yeah, you can have it. Yeah. And I went, "Anton, that is unbelievable." So wow. I made I made them happy that day anyway. You know, which was good. Yeah, I think, I think he's got it framed. He's got it up above his bed. <laughs> How magic! <laughs> going to be well looked after do you know so. well it's better than sitting under your bed anyway <laughs> exactly Derek you know as long as somebody gets a bit of use out of it and as I said I'll never give the jerseys and medals away they're my two boys do you know so yeah. I'll leave that for them yeah super but I was going to ask as well Anton did you ever fancy going into the, the coaching side of things or is that something you just never fancy doing you know, Derek, never have I ever approached me to do that mm. even even when my kids were young do you know my, all my mates in Kennington were managing one of them come up Every now and again, say, 
do you want to take a session? I say, what, a drinking session? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a drinking session, but I'm not taking any coaching sessions. <laughs> and, you know, I've never done it. I've never done it. I've never been interested. Since I hung my boots up, I've never coached anybody yeah. because I know how to do it. And I wouldn't have a clue where to start. And you need to be sort of a, a sort of a confident, different sort of person to be able to manage things like that. At, no matter what level you're at, kids level or professional yeah. level, you need to be a sort sort of a, a certain sort of person to be able to do something like that. So, yeah, and it's it's not me. Yeah, it's me. Do you know so? So yeah. as I say, the answer to that's obviously a no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And of course, at the moment, you've got your your uh, taxi firm in, in Oxford. Um, so you yeah. enjoying enjoying well, obviously not enjoying it at the moment because you can't get out to work. But in the main, yeah. it, has it been a success for you? Yeah, it's been great. It's been great, and I'm self-employed. I've got my own. I do my own little bit on the building anyway. Do I? You know, I've always done yeah. it. All my, I do a little bit of demo for all my friends. Self-employed, I'll do it myself. I sort of, uh, if anyone buy big houses, these houses to do up, I just go in and strip them on my own. I love it, mate. It's yeah. happy task. You fit as a fiddle. And then obviously I get the taxis as well. So it's, it's we're doing okay. We're, we're, we're doing quite well. I'm working hard. That's the problem. We always work hard, Derek, you know. So I've never been frightened of hard work either. Yeah, nothing else for it. Magic, top stuff. Well, Anton, no, be- no. before we go, in terms of yep. uh, if there's just one player that you played with, the best player that you played with, is there any that, that, that stand out for you? Ooh, that's a hard one. Put you so, in the spot here. Paul McStay is the best footballer I've probably played with. Yeah. When he was when he was on. Could play with football. slippers on at the time. Oh, he was when he was he was just frightening, mate. Yeah. He, he was fantastic, absolutely fantastic, mate. It's the way they're just the way. Well, you you obviously you've you've seen and heard of him. Yeah. Just when he, when he was playing at his peak, it was I'd never seen anything like it. He was just awesome. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a top player, that's for sure. Anton Rogan, that'll do us there. Thank you very much for, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing your story in the game. No problem, Derek. If you need anything else, give me a little shout, son. Well, that was episode 40 of the Talking Fitball podcast with Anton Rogan. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as always. Remember, if you've missed any so far, you can catch them all on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean and by visiting DerekClarkSport.co.uk. We're also on Twitter at Talking underscore Fitball and Facebook as well. I hope you can join me again next time and I'll be chatting to a Spanish defender who's best known for his time at Livingston and Hamilton and now plying his trade at Stenhouse Muir. But until then, bye for now.